So tonight we're beginning the third section of this book, which means we have four weeks per lesson behind us. We've already got two lessons behind us, eight weeks, and we begin our last set of four lessons tonight. Tonight is the beginning of section 3.1 in your book. If you've been doing your reading, your daily devotions, then you have read right through and you know that tonight's lesson is called Dead or Alive. So we're getting ready to dive into that in Jesus' name. Right before you're seated, let's do one thing that's really important, and I want to tell you what it is, all right? Very important. We want to level the playing field mentally here tonight because we've all come from rushed schedules, busy days, many distractions, lots of unrelated and disconnected things we've done with our day and with the last day or two. And, and I want us to just level the playing field. Let me tell you how you do it. You do it with prayer. So I want us to have another word of prayer tonight. And can I invite you to pray that God would give us a revelation of what it means to see what he has done to make way for us to truly live life for all it's worth. It's awesome what God has done for us to give us a lease on life that you can't have without this, what we're about to teach tonight. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad for the Lord's blessings together on this, on this day. And let's pray for his blessings to be on this session tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone gathered. I pray for those watching online. And I pray in the name of Jesus, as we bow our heads together and we pray together this prayer, that you would let there be a commonality that springs out of this prayer. And that is a hunger for the word of God a suspending of our analysis and judgment and a willingness to simply let your word have free course and speak into our hearts and our minds for the better and to change us, Lord. God, I believe in you that there's someone here tonight who is ready for a radical change and an improvement on life like they've never seen before. And we thank you for this opportunity this evening. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You're welcome to take your seats. Again, we are so thankful for all of our guests who are with us this evening. It's really an honor and a privilege to have our guests who have made it your business to be with us in this evening service. It's really, really an honor and a privilege. And uh, we love meeting new people in these sessions and, of course, on our weekends. When you come on this coming Sunday, it's going to be an extraordinary service kind of like this, but way less parking and way less space in here. And uh, so it's going to be another blowout Holy Ghost weekend, great things happening, baptisms, people coming to a brand new understanding of a God who's loved them all along, and he's cared for them all along, and they have just now come to see the God of the universe who has been leading their lives and guiding them to the moment where they find the truth. And thank God for the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Somebody say amen. amen. I have one final announcement. I, I know you thought uh, announcements were over, but I just need to make sure everybody understands. One week from tonight, we are not having worship service in here, or we're not having small groups across the campus. Life nights are canceled for next Tuesday. We have adjusted our curriculum accordingly. So what's happening next Tuesday night is Fairgrounds, Douglas County, just south of Castle Rock, there's going to be the first service of the 2022 
district camp meeting for the United Pentecostal Church. And that service is devoted to Spanish-speaking people of God. So if you know someone who speaks Spanish, you speak Spanish, or you'd just like to come and feel the power of the Lord and maybe not understand what they're saying, that's okay. But it is going to be taking place at 7.30 at the uh, Rocky, uh, the, the fairgrounds of Douglas County uh, this coming Tuesday night. And then the services following that are very basic. It's 7.30 on the next night, the next night, and the next night. So all four nights, 7.30 p.m. And those evenings, there will be guest speakers who are extraordinary, who are powerful preachers, who will exhort the word of the Lord and break the word of God open for us to understand and to be blessed in a mighty way. Brother David Bernard and Brother Scott Graham are among the highlighted speakers who are very prominent men of God and speakers and leaders in the United Pentecostal Church. Now, Douglas County Fairgrounds, 7.30 p.m. nightly. Everybody got that? But then I didn't say this. The 10.30 at, on, on Thursday, uh, excuse me, 10.30 on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there will be, there will be services that will be taking place in the morning, 10.30 a.m. So there's two services per day. And actually, it's Thursday and Friday. It's not on Wednesday. Wednesday during the day is, is empty. It's a 7.30 night on both Tuesday and Wednesday. But then Thursday and Friday, there's 10.30 both days. And guest speakers, worship, and other features will be happening there on the fairground. So you all are very, very invited to come. Services will be live streamed on the Colorado District Facebook page as well as the Church Center app. So let's join our Colorado Apostolic Brothers and Sisters for Revival. Now, all of you who are kids or you have kids, there will be what they call kids camp every service, morning and evening. Children between ages of 5 and 12 are eligible to attend kids camp. Cost is $10 per child per service, but you get a discount. If you have siblings, they get $5 off per service you, you, as long as you're a family member, you get $5 off per service, so it would only be $15 for two or 20 for three, and so on. If you're available, church family and, and leaders of this church, especially those in the church kids' ministry, Calvary Church men's, kids' ministry, if you're available to support this kids' camp with your, with your uh, strength, your talent, and with your available hours, then please see our amazing children's pastors, the Birds. Can I get Brother and Sister Bird to stand real quick? Brother and Sister Bird, where are you? Please stand. There they are. That's, that's our wonderful kids' ministry directors and pastors. I like to call them pastors because they are literally the shepherds over those precious children that they, that they care for on a weekly basis, and we're grateful that we have an opportunity to serve the children's ministry in our district. In other words, this special meeting next week, they are asking for and needing more and more help from kids ministry and those who can help with kids in the kids camp. So brother and sister bird are the ones to talk to. They'll get you plugged in and you can be a part uh, in, at any point during next week's events. Now, my last point is this, those camp meeting speakers, Bernard and Graham, I already mentioned, they are the exact caliber of preachers that we have at Mile High Revival. So it's critical that everyone understand the importance of next week's camp meeting series of services. This year, as in years past, listen to this, Mile High is going to take on a new dimension of grasping responsibility as Colorado's senior apostolic church and will be instrumental in encouraging 
church planting, as well as churches that are struggling for survival. There are a lot of them that are struggling following the pandemic. So we're going to step up to the plate and we're going to try to do our very best to be a place where revitalization and revival happens during the day of Mile High and the Nights. We'll be preaching that will blow your mind with a a preacher by the name of Brother Wayne Huntley. So I believe it's a responsibility we take very seriously to be a senior apostolic church means that we should take responsibility to care for those who are new and those who are fledgling and maybe those who are struggling and be a part. I appreciate everybody understanding the burden of your pastor's heart in that regard. There are more details about that to come, but I'm not going to beleaguer the point anymore. All right. So y'all ready for dead or alive? Okay. Let's make this as user-friendly as possible. I'm going to tell you why. Because we have children and youth in here. And you know what children and youth are used to? They're used to lively, interactive, Tuesday night engagement. They love getting together and they love their discussion. So why would we want to make them come to a service like this and just sit there and be bored out of their minds? All right? So (laughs) I want you all to get ready. We're going to do a little bit of interaction tonight, and I want it to make sense. not going to take long, but I want us to grasp this very first lesson that's going to lead into the remaining lessons of this series. Very, very important, like I've said, a very great series that that we're right in the middle of, and tonight begins the third part. The next four weeks will all be related to this one, okay? So listen closely. Let me just tell you, as soon as I pull this little... Little uh, push this little button here on my on my iPad. I'll know exactly what I'm supposed to talk about because I don't know what to talk about with the, without the right words up here. How many of you believe that? Y'all believe I don't know what to say if I don't have it up in front of me? All right. You know what I, I found out? The older you get, the better it is to have notes to keep you from going too long. Used to be I needed notes to keep me from going too short, and now I'm at that breakover point where. I could just go on and on because I'm so excited, and I love sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I love talking about the things of God, and I love sharing them with God's wonderful people. So here is where we're headed in this series. This series is going to be all about, listen to this. I'm going to just make it real plain, okay? If you have your book, you already know, but this is it right here. And there are books in the back that are available if you'd like a copy. The next four weeks, counting tonight, they have this one title, one heading. You ready for this? When you come next uh, week from Tuesday, because next week is canceled, when you come the next three Tuesdays of sessions, you're going to be studying in your small group under this category of lesson. Here's what it's called. You must be born again. And we're going to do the deep dive on these Tuesday nights. And tonight is the kickoff to those, the the remaining three. The first one is called dead or alive. The next one is a call to repentance. The next one is born of water. And then the last one is the power of the Holy Ghost. Those four all make up the one lesson series called You Must Be Born Again. So for tonight, dead or alive. Everybody say dead or alive. And uh, if that makes you think of a song, well, don't sing that song until later on, okay? Dead or alive. Y'all ready? Dead or alive. It is found in Romans 5, three verses that I really want us to steady ourselves with before we leave here tonight. I want us to be able to stand on these three verses before we leave here tonight. 
I want us to understand the gravity and the profundity of these words. Now, right there, I'm already losing children. They didn't come to hear about profundity tonight. What in the world does profundity mean? It doesn't sound very fun, but it does have fun in it. Right? Profun? Profundity. Romans 5, 17 through 19. Now, watch this. Let me just show you something. This is college-level Bible reading. You ready? It says this right here, Romans 5, 17 through 19. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. I already told you that's college-level reading. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Isn't that great? Now, all of you who really do understand that, or at least you think you do, say amen. If you don't understand it, say oh me. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? That's, I knew that was going to happen. Next verse. Let's see if this fixes it. I mean, we had everybody 12 and under said, oh me, uh, or maybe even a little older. Verse 19. Let's read it together. You see it on the big screen, everyone? 519. Let's read it together. Limber up your vocal cords. Limber them up. Let's go. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many shall be, will be made righteous. Well, praise God for that. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Dead or alive. Those three verses, dead or alive. So now here's what I want to do. I'm going to challenge our projection operator in the back to help us with those same three verses. And we're going to walk out of here. Like I said, understanding those three verses and letting them be stabilization and preparation for where we're headed now. Because I understand, I believe if you really catch these three verses, you'll be ready for you must be born again. All right? So here's what we're going to do. Let's just look at Romans 5, 17. And I'm actually going to leave from my perch on the high lectern area and step down here where it's about 15 degrees cooler and ask you to look up on the big screen. And I, I'm serious about the temperature. It really is. It's much warmer up there. Watch, watch here. I want you all to see the Amplified. Let's read these three verses with the Amplified version. We're really blessed by God so that we don't have to focus on the Greek. If we put the Greek words up here of the, that were originally written by candlelight, by a quill and a pen and a, on papyrus paper, we wouldn't understand what they're saying. But guess what? The Greek doesn't change. What changes is the way that humans read it and translate it. So they catch shades of meaning that others may not catch. Innuendos that others may not have written down. So it's very, we're blessed to be able to study God's word and look at it in other translations to see what it means as best we can. Here's what I call it. You ready for this, Sister Lydia? I call it reading the Bible for all it's worth. Don't just get, if you're really serious about what the Bible is meaning in one place, read it and pray. Pray and read. 
read and pray. But I'm going to tell you, if it still hasn't illuminated itself, it might be that you need to switch to a translation of the very same verses that will help you understand it a little more easily. By the way, I'm not going to go all the way down to preschool, but there is a preschool Bible we could read from. I, I just read the college level. Let's, let's back it off just a little bit to something a little more understandable. Maybe not, but either way, here's what it says. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse or offense, if because of that one man's to trespass death reigned through that one much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace. What is God's overflowing grace? Give me a definition, everybody real quick. How did you know? That's the way the Amplified works. The Amplified has definitions right alongside those big words. And look, it says grace means God's unmerited favor. Surely those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, which, what does righteousness mean? What does the free gift of righteousness do to you? Does anybody know? Quick, quick question. What does the free gift of righteousness do for you? Say it loud. Puts us into right standing with himself. We will reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Next verse, that was verse number one of three. This one says, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step and falling away led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness, one man's trespass is answered by one man's righteousness act. Act of righteousness. Now, does anybody see word in there that is capitalized that should tip us off as to who it's talking about? Do you see it? Do you see it, Shale? What is it? God. God is what one of them. What else? Do you see angel? What? Man. Exactly. Why is the word man capitalized? One man. Now, the first one says one man's, but it's lowercase m, right? Look at this. This is how you study the Bible for all it's worth. You don't just gloss over it, rush through it. You stop. It's really good if you're kneeling down and you have your pages open. If you start shedding tears on your Bible, it's okay. I think a Bible works better with wet pages of tears. Because God is saying, "Who do you really want to know what I mean by this? And we say, yes, Lord, I want to know. And he'll illuminate your mind to see things like this. That capital M, it's not talking about just a regular man. It's not talking about just another ordinary human. Guess what man that's talking about? What man is that? The man. Jesus Christ. That's right. God. See, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but we're having a really good time up here so far. One man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal. Now, that's a big word, acquittal. Acquittal means you're not guilty. If you ever go to court because you ran your car off the road and you hit a stop sign and made it fall over and you go to court, the best words you can hear are, you're acquitted. Acquitted means you're not guilty. You're not in trouble anymore. You talk about breathing easy and able to sleep at night when you hear the words acquittal. Well, what happens is that one man's act of righteousness, that, that man is Jesus Christ. His righteousness leads to setting us free from sin. We're not guilty. Everybody say, I'm not guilty anymore. And right standing with God and life for all 
men. There's so much meat in these verses. Let's look at the next verse, verse 19. For just as by one man's disobedience. Wait, 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 wait. What does disobedience mean? What does one man's disobedience, what does disobedience mean, Colin? What does it say? I think it's really just. No, 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 no. Don't, you don't have to make it up. <laughs> like definition, just full. Yeah, right, full on. Just rebellion. And, and there's, there's a hint up there. Okay, what, what does disobedience mean? Failing to hear um, heedlessness um, and carelessness. That is so awesome. Colin, why is it that I am the same way? I want to go to the hardest possible. I jump to that conclusion. It's like, i, I got to really work this out. No, with the Amplified, you have the answer right there. So be ready, okay, because I might come back to you on this. What does disobedience mean? Failing to hear heedlessness and carelessness. For as by that man's disobedience, the many were constituted sinners. Constituted means that they were actually transferred from being saints to sinners, from being good to bad. They constituted sinners. So by one, so by one, oh, there it is again. See the capital M? So by one man's obedience, the many will be made, will be constituted righteous. What does righteous mean, everybody? Just, just give me the word. Give me the definition for righteous. Made acceptable to God, brought into, into right standing with him. Isn't that great? Okay, so what does righteousness mean, Sister Bree? What was that, Shane? What does righteousness mean? Oh, um, uh, uh, made acceptable to God, brought into standing with him. How many of you want to be righteous? You know what righteous means, Brother, brother Caden? Righteous. Made acceptable to God. So that you don't have to hide your face when God looks at you. So that when God is staring you in the eyes, you can stand strong and look back at him and say, God, I am righteous. I am standing right before you. Righteousness means I'm acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Brought into right standing with him. Now, let's go to probably my, the very easiest translation to understand of those three verses. And everybody's going to say, Pastor, why didn't you start with that? Well, I don't know. Once again, I want to do complicated stuff, I guess. But let's go to the translation called the message, which is a paraphrase. A dynamic paraphrase which takes thoughts for thoughts and translates them broadly. So I don't recommend it as your soul reading. All right? Oh, my heavens. <laughs> Romans 5, 15. No, we're, we're looking at 17, 18, and 19, right? Am I right, Brother Sean? Okay. I don't know why that software wants to lump it all into one screen. Please go to verse 17 alone. Can we do that or not? Can we do it or not? Okay. Our, our, tra- our expert's going back there to help us real quick. Now, I'm, I'm guessing most of you didn't have a copy of the translation called uh, the message with you. Most of you don't have a copy of it with you. John, oh, excuse me, Romans 5.17. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and point, you out, point out where we're at, okay? It says, if death got the upper hand. Does anybody see that? If death got the upper hand. Could you, do you see it? You see it, Logan? I mean, Dakota, you see it? If death got the upper hand, that's verse 17. Read it with me. If death, oh, thank you. Aren't we all relieved? Woo, it's like, whew, now I can breathe. All right, everybody together. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, how can you, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Absolute life. 
in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. Now verse 18. Here it is. and Everybody read it with me. Here it is. Oh, man, you guys, y'all are you're loving this translation, aren't you? Oh, man, we can could, we could read this one easy. It doesn't take a lot of brain power, right? This is kind of like pre-digested food, like milk. Did you know that milk is the only pre-digested food we eat? Direct dairy. It's that somebody else digested it, like the cow digested it. This right here is very easy to understand. It is so easy that if you stop here, you could fall short of a true deep understanding. So there is a lot of method to my madness of starting with the hard and backing off to the easy rather than the easy going to the hard, right? Because <laughs> I want you to see we already did the academic work. We did the heavy lifting. We tried to get that college level under, under our belts. Now it's like, whew, wow, that's really what it means? In a nutshell. What does it say? In a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong, and got us in all this trouble with sin and death. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. Aren't you glad to have life? We don't just get out of trouble, but we get into life. We don't just walk out of darkness, but we get light. We don't just walk away from the evil, but we get good. We don't walk away from empty, but we get full. We don't walk away and stay in a no man's land of nobody knows where you are. No, suddenly it's a radical improvement and an upgrade that moves from out of trouble into life. One more verse, verse number 19. Did we already read it? Nope, there it is. One man said no to God. One man said no to God. And put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God. And put many in the right. Praise God. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ said yes to God? What does that mean? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it be possible, let this misery, this tragedy, this torment that's coming on me, let it pass. I don't want to have to go through it. But he said, yes. When he said, nevertheless, God, I want, this to, I want to have this attitude about life in general. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And when Jesus said yes, he went to the cross. And he bled, agonized. His respiratory system was crushed to the limit. And he gave up the ghost, saying, it is finished. And when he did that, you know what happened? He put many in the right. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the crown of thorns. I thank him for the, for the brutal treatment that he underwent. I'm so glad Jesus wasn't trying to skip and cut corners and say, no, I don't want to go to the cross. We know his flesh didn't want to go. But his flesh was surrendered to his divine nature. And he said, I see joy. That is set before me. I'm enduring the cross. Despising the shame. And Jesus knew he would be set down. The right hand of the glory of God. Reading from another, translate, another place in your Bible. And when Jesus did those things. Jesus made us 
right with God. I thank him today for that. Hallelujah. I thank him for that tonight. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to do right now is I would like to try to be a little more true to our Bible study Tuesday night campus groups, and I'd just like to see if there's anybody who has read in this room who's read Romans 5, 17 through 19 ever in your life. Raise your hand. Have you ever read it? Romans 5, 17 through 19? Okay. Right? We all have, right? Multiple times. Well, let me just ask you, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? Would somebody be willing to raise your hand and tell me what it means? Romans 5, 17 through 19. Sister Joyce? Life. You must be, you must be remembering the title of this lesson, Dead or Alive. Three verses. Romans 5, 17 through 19. Did you already memorize those in your, in your quizzing? Okay, maybe someday. Romans 5, 17 through 19. What does it mean to you? What is it really about? Romans 5, 17 through 19. Y'all think about it. I know you'd love for me to stand up here and just go on and on and on about what it means to me, but what does it mean to you? Redemption. He took my, did you just say that? He took my place? Wow, amen. What'd you say? Redemption as opposed to damnation. Damnation. I know you didn't think I was going to say that word in church, but I did. (laughs) Because it is a real biblical word. That is the opposite of redemption is being damned. When we're redeemed, we're brought back from the pit of sorrow and the pit that is going to lead to final death. And the ultimate goal of this lesson, if you really read through it, is to point out the fact that we as a people have a choice, dead or alive. And dead doesn't mean that you just are no longer alive. It doesn't mean that somebody held your nose long enough in your mouth, and you stopped breathing, so you died. That's not the kind of death we're talking about. The kind of death like that, like when you drown or you stop breathing and it's a sad thing, everybody's crying and you're dead, I don't want that to happen to any of you. That's not as bad as the death we're talking about in these verses. I'm telling you the truth. New King James, I want us to do, do it. Let's go right back to that middle verse, okay? Romans 5, verse number 18. Look at it with me. Romans 5, verse number 18. Whereas, whereas through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. That's it right there. That's the, the word condemnation, to be condemned. If you're condemned, that is the same thing as being damned. One man's offense. Adam and Eve ate of the garden of Eden forbidden fruit. They had such an easy choice. They had a choice that was to either eat of the tree of life or the tree of knowledge. And what is it about humans that would rather have, I don't understand what I'm about to say, why it even makes sense. It just doesn't make sense to me, but it kind of does. It's so stupid of humans. Listen to this. They'd rather have short-term life with knowledge than long-term life knowing God only. I guess the only way we can kind of comprehend that is that the devil has injected a lower nature in every one of us that we must overcome on a daily basis. Because there's something about knowledge being power. And we live in the information age. And we get Google on our side. And when Google is Googling and you're Googling yourself to death and Google is helping you make your point and and, and win your argument, your knowledge is making you feel powerful. 
Adam and Eve were given a choice. They had two trees. They had a tree right here, a tree right here, tree of life. And every time they ate of that tree, they were given life-sustaining fruit and nourishment every time they ate of it. Honestly, I believe the moment they stopped eating that was the moment that they started dying. The tree of life started leaving its, leaving its power behind by generations until the years of life wound down to 70, 80, 90 years from living forever with the tree of life. If you had a choice, you'd have the tree of life and you get to know the Lord God Almighty for, forever. And you get to know his power and you get to know his love and fellowship with him and communion with him. And you don't even know anything about guilt, shame, sin is not even a word in your vocabulary. But then you come over here and you got another tree over here. And it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil right here. Let's just make this the tree right here. That's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you know what? You can eat all these trees in the garden. You have the tree of life, and you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But of all these trees, this one right here, the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. That is a sign to show you don't eat that. I mean, if you're Adam, when you got to get a, get a staple gun and go, bam, I'm not going to eat it out of that tree. God said no. Because why? Because God said, the moment you eat of that tree, you shall what? Die. You shall surely die. And here, here comes Satan's instrument, the serpent, and the serpent tricks Eve. And Eve says, hmm, this looks so good. Ah, oh, just pleasant to the eyes. Have to do something to keep these young people fired up. She ate it. And guess what? She didn't finish eating it. She still was chewing it. And she ran over to her husband. And he ate it too. Wouldn't you think her husband would say, Oh, no, no. I, I stapled a sign to that tree. But no, no, no. He ate it too. A lot of discussion goes into why. Might be that he had the kind of devotion to the creation God had made him that he didn't want her to go down alone. I don't know. I do believe that he could have been responsible for keeping the serpent out of the garden because he was given permission to guard the entire garden. God told him to keep the garden. That means to guard the garden. That means to protect it. Put up a fence. Put up a barbed wire fence. Whatever you have to do. Somehow that serpent came slithering in and spoke to Eve and tricked her into taking a bite of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when that man... And that woman, they ate that fruit. They offended God. And as though one through one man's offense. And of course, we're, we understand it's talking about Adam and Eve. Through their offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Then let's look at verse 19 again, because verse 19 is a parallel also. For as one by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Wow, out of temptation comes disobedience. And now we all have to live with the consequences. Now we all get to die because of Adam and Eve's 
sin and offending God and their simple disobedience. Isn't it incredible that God gave that kind of responsibility to one man to whether or not he ate or didn't eat. It was going to impact you and me in 2022. It was going to have a repercussive effect, far-reaching effects that can't even be imagined that reach to the corridors of history and all of the evil of empires and, and sadistic rulers and those who have been carnal kings and those who have raised themselves up and caused bloodshed and holocaust. All of that comes from one man's sin. The pain on the planet came from one man's sin. But here's what these three verses are telling us. That if one man could bring it all down, oh, hallelujah, all it takes is one man to bring it all back and bring it back better than the one man took it down. One man brought it down, but guess what? Only takes one man to bring it back to a way that doesn't just set things right. It doesn't, like I said, just get you out of trouble, but it gets us into life everlasting. And God Almighty is a God who says, I am here to do what I do, and I did what I did, so that you all, who were all as guilty as Adam himself, because you all are guilty by association and by bloodline. You know what I'm going to do? Forget that tree of life, tree, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to, I'm going to do something that's bigger and better. I'm going to put that away, and I'm going to give you all an advanced ticket back to the tree of life. An advanced ticket. What does that an advanced ticket mean? It means you got it in advance. Without, before, before it actually becomes available to everybody in the physical sense, I believe it's coming. But in the, in the spiritual sense, God says, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to start eating from the tree of life. How can we start eating from the tree of life right now? Well, I want you to know it's very, very simple. Come to the next three classes and you'll find out how we eat from the tree of life. Because the tree of life comes through a simple understanding of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is spelled out very clearly in your word, in your Bible. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not some complicated, hidden place in the Bible that is, that is hard to understand and hard to, hard to discern. No, the gospel is extremely easy to comprehend. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, even though all have sinned in the past tense, I want us to, I want us to do, jump, jump quickly before we conclude to Romans 3, verse number 23. And we're going to get into that just as we're going to conclude here in just a moment, but let's look at Romans three twenty three. for all have sinned. Now, sister Hannah, can you make sure that that is the King James version? I want to make sure that's the King James version right there. Romans three twenty three. There we go. Everybody ready? Read it with me for all have sinned. And how many of you think it says, and all have Come short of the glory of God. No, there's only one have in there. I want to share something with you real quick. This is right here in our material written by Holy Spirit filled Pentecostal apostolic men and women. Listen to this. All have sinned. Can you tell me, especially those who are in high school, everybody who's in high school, please stand. High school? High school? Stand up. Can you tell me what tense in the grammar? What tense is it when it says, have sinned? Is it past? Have sinned. 
How many of you think it's past? Raise your hand. How many think it's future? Raise your hand. How many think it's present? You're right. It's have. Have sinned. How many of you are eating right now? None of us. How many of you have eaten? Raise your hand. Past tense. Okay. Thank you so much, class. We're proud of our, of our, our high school students. All have sinned. Past tense. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. Now, here's what I want to do. I'd like to get everybody that's in high school or that's in, that's in college or has a college degree or has any college whatsoever. Would you please stand? Because this is a little bit harder. All of you with college, right? Stand up. Stand up. College. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. These high school students, they did a good job of helping us with tents. They told us what tense have sinned is, right? All have sinned. Now, I want you to read very carefully the next two words. Fall short. Is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Absolutely. Everybody who thinks it's past tense, raise your hand. And God bless you, you're wrong. Go back to English. Everybody think it's future? You're wrong. Go back to English. All have sinned, past tense, and all fall short, present tense. Woo, God, help us all. Why don't you all join me and say, God, help us all. That right there is staring like, a, like, a, like a, somebody that's a shooter through, down through, over the barrel of the gun right at me saying, that's me. We have sinned, and we all come short. There ain't nobody in this house that's never reached to the point where you're perfectly above the glory of God. We all come short. Today I came short. I believe today some of you came short. You may not believe it. You may be ignoring it. You may be denying it. But everybody in this house does come short of the glory of God. So what does that mean to you and me? Here's what it means that we've got to be aware that not only has every person sinned in the past, but all of us continually fall short of God's glorious revelation. Can I tell you the glorious beauty of this? I'm going to give you a little hint about what the tree of life is all about. Y'all ready for this? Here it is. This is why the blood of Jesus continuously cleanses us as we walk in the light. He cleanses us. As we have fellowship one with another, he cleanses us. When we have faith in him, it cleanses us. Hallelujah. We have privilege of having continual cleansing from our sin. We all need a savior. Not one of us can walk out of here saying, oh, I'm good, man. I have sinned, but I don't anymore. No, no. The Bible tells us right now, we have come short. We fall short. I want God. I pray for God to help me. Not to be someone who, who just feels all proud of myself that I got it made and I've got it in the bag and I don't have any prayer. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to go to church. No, I got to have more of Jesus every day. As a matter of fact, I need him more today than I needed him yesterday. I'm going to need him more tomorrow than I needed him today. You and I, we've got to continue to understand that the blood of Jesus is that what gives us access back to the tree of life. Praise God. There is an abundant testimony in the New Testament to the fact that Jesus is the Savior of all those who come to him in faith. Let's all stand together. And I want to show you a flurry of verses on the screen. I did not even tell our team these verses, but let's just see how quick sister can get to these. Our, our operator, Luke 10, oh, excuse me, Luke 2.11. Can you look that one up real quick? Luke 2.11. What does Luke 2.11 say? Everyone, can you read it along with me? Read it. For unto you is born this day 
in the city of David, a Savior. Everybody say a Savior. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Look at John 4.42 with me. John 4.42. This is amazing uh, practice for our operators in the back. Everybody read it with me. And he said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Why would we look anywhere else when we have Christ, the Savior of the world? Acts 5.31. Read this with me. Acts 5 and verse number 31. Together, let's see what it says. Him hath God exalted with his powerful right hand. That's what right hand means to his, to be a prince, but not just a prince, but to be a savior. Everybody who knows your last name, say amen. Aren't you glad you know your last name? You know what I think you should do? You, I think you should raise both hands and say, God, I'm glad you're a savior to the Hamans. God, I'm glad you're a savior to my, and just say your last name. God, I'm glad you're a savior to me. You're not just a prince, Lord, but you're a savior and you give what repentance to Israel and forgiveness. Woo, hallelujah. Forgiveness of sins. God says, you know what? Yeah, that was a bad deal, eating of that tree of the fruit of knowledge, good and evil. But you know what? I'm giving everybody salvation. What does Ephesians 5.23 say? Read it with me. Ephesians 5.23. I want everybody to read this one loud and clear. Could y'all all just belt it out? Ephesians 5, verse number 23. 5.23. EPH 5.23. Ready, set, Ephesians 5, 23. Going, going, Ephesians 5, 23. Must not be working. Everybody who has your old-fashioned projector in your hand, here it is. All right. for, as the hu- for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And what is, the, what is Jesus Christ to the church? The Savior. Aren't you glad he's our savior? How many more verses do you need? I need a savior. I don't need anybody but a savior. I need somebody who's willing to say, you were in the middle of a mess of sin and death, but I'm ready to give you life. I'm going to let you care. I'm going to carry you back to the tree of life, and you shall have access to that tree of life. Amen? 1 John 4 and verse number 14. 1 John 4 and and verse number 14. What does it say? I want to see if I can get all the high school students to read that one real loud. Y'all ready? Go. Hallelujah. Verses stack upon verses to prove that we have a Savior. We don't have to live in sin and death. We don't have to say, well, I'm just going to blame it on Adam and Eve. No. We get to turn around Next, next session is going to be about repentance. We're going to study that in our small, session, small group sessions. But here's what I want to do. I want everybody to r- help me wrap this message up with this last verse. This is it. I promise this is the last one for tonight. Revelation 22, verse number 14. Revelation 22, verse number 14. Blessed. I know it starts with blessed. Revelation 22, 14. Read it with me. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Hallelujah. That is coming for all of God's people. 
We may not be there quite yet, but you know what? By being obedient to his commandments, we are given the right to get right back up and walk up to that tree of life that Adam and Eve so disobediently ignored and neglected. You and me get to walk up to that tree and we get to pull of the fruit of that tree and begin to consume that tree and give us life everlasting, returning us to a position of salvation and relationship with God throughout the ages to come and beyond and beyond and beyond. No one can even begin to comprehend the beautiful plans that God has for those who are simply willing to say, God, I've made my choice. It's not knowledge of tree of good and evil, Lord. It is the tree of life. And I'm going to go for it because, Lord, you have already done the heavy lifting. You've already done the work. You've already been willing to be the one who obeyed where Adam disobeyed so that all of humanity would have access to life. Everybody say dead or alive. I leave that choice in your hands tonight. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, thank you for this time together. I pray that everyone here, regardless of age, will remember the incredible things you did for us, Lord. By your righteousness, we have righteousness. By your righteousness, the righteousness of all of our hearts is secured, Lord. God, it's by your righteousness that the unrighteousness of Adam is nullified. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that by your obedience, that Adam's disobedience is made null and void for me. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of salvation. Save us, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I think, I think we ought to just take a moment here and linger in the presence of the Lord as this word has been preached. Because there may be somebody here tonight that really realizes there is a change that needs to happen to my life. I recognize that I have been going down a pathway that has been more like Adam and less like Jesus. I'm ready to do an about face and go down the pathway that Jesus is leading. I want to be obedient and righteous and I can't do it without his power and I can't do it without his grace and with his forgiveness I can do all things through Christ. Christ, hallelujah, in Jesus' name.